whenever I seek to hire anybody, look, if they're not 10 times better than me at what they do, I don't want, I don't want them. This is the playbook. I got a low energy episode. It's too bad we have this guy, Jack O'Walk. He's the CEO, CSO, that's Chief Scientific Officer, and the founder of Bang Energy. And my first question is, Jack, how can a guy who has created one of the most powerful energetic companies be so low-key like you? Um, a lot of it, you know, people sometimes get offended by God these days, but like uh, God sits on the throne. If you lift everything up to him, uh, people go, oh, you're, you know, you're in the, all these lawsuits with Pepsi and Monster, all these multi-billion dollar companies. How do you stay so calm? And if you lift it up to him to handle it, hey, you know, you're, you're calm and you're real. I think otherwise, if I, if I didn't have God, I'd probably be a nervous wreck, you know, because again, you're competing against some of the biggest companies in the world. Legally, they're very savvy. Um, that's what they use. A drug dealer here in Miami will kill you if you take his turf. Well, corporations they kill you through legal ways so or or, yeah. they, or they offer so much money to you they they get rid of you by buying you and shelving you or or just buying you uh it's interesting have you ever read uh michael singer's surrender experiment uh no i haven't i'm open to any books you uh, have to read that are great i never read many books um i attribute a lot of my success uh to not reading books because if you do what everybody else does, you kind of do that same cookie cutter thing. And um, I like, I read who moved my cheese, for example, and, like and it, it, you know, cause it was short. And so it was great, but I said, well, this book's crazy. Instead of anticipating where the cheese goes to survive, right? The mice had to survive they had to anticipate those were the, I said, instead of doing that, I'm going to move the cheese and make everybody else scramble to find out where it's going, right. To do things differently. And, and I'm big on doing things differently and taking it to a new level. I always tell people, look, if you, if your business model kind of sucks and you go, okay, this year I'm going to do things better. Now you just basically suck on steroids. So <laughs> <laughs> what I always teach is take a radically different approach. And I think you'll be far better off. It's amazing. Cause you take that philosophy, but you started out with a faith-based uh, philosophy that later came in my life. You know, I was someone who thought that I could control everything, that I made myself happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. And once I surrendered, which is why I brought up that book, once I surrendered that there's an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source that loves me more than I even love my children, everything started to come through me and my decisions were easier. And I lived in that majesty of calmness uh, in a chaotic, you know, running the most notable sports agency in the world is not easy you know, having a global marketing, sports marketing company or living through the pandemic was an EV, except for the fact I know that I'm always being promoted or protected by the source. And I know, like you said, it's not politically uh, always acceptable to say, hey, I'm a faith-based guy. I believe there's something bigger than me that loves me more than I even love my own children. When in your life did this kind of surrender philosophy, as I called it, the one that I kind of defined it by that book that, that I did read. Um, when did this surrender philosophy occur for you? I don't know exactly. I, I can't um, pinpoint it, but it, it was about, you know, roughly 20, 25 years ago, actually about 25 years ago. And um, you, it's like you said, you, none of this stuff's in your control. I have five kids ranging from three months uh, uh, in the house here with me till uh, nine years old. 
and you you can't even control a three month old, a five month, a five year old, whatever. And you can't control anything around you. And it's only by the grace of God, right? The unmerited, unearned favor that uh, these things happen to you. And, and, and if you think you're doing it all yourself, uh, that's when you implode, right? You become too much of yourself. And what we have to do as we age and everything like that and gain wisdom, we have to become less of ourselves, more about God, more about others. And when you, when you practice that principle, uh, that's, I believe when your success comes. Yeah. I think God made us, you know, as a young man, when you're twenties and your thirties, your testosterone is super high, you're very selfish, but that's for a reason, right? You need to make your mark. And there's a very limited amount of time to make your mark. But then as you get older, you have to start transitioning away from that selfishness into selflessness, uh, in order to become successful. And, and, and if you don't like a lot of, uh, celebrities and actors, you you become more of yourself, and people begin to dislike you and not be able to relate to you, right? So as we're blessed, we have to bless others. I love that. And reconciling that with being a leader and managing so many people through the great success that you have with your company is also counterintuitive and conflictual uh, to kind of this humility that we gain through the years. What are some of the insights that you have on leadership now or some of the management insights that you can give us? I think people, um, you know, the bigger the company comes becomes, the more you have to specialize in what you do, right? So when you have a little company, you're an entrepreneur, you're doing everything. You're even taking out the trash probably. And so the bigger it becomes, you have to give up the things that you're not truly great at and replace uh, those positions with people who are far better than yourselves. Whenever I seek to hire anybody, look, if they're not 10 times better than me at what they do, I don't want, I don't want them. And the more I give up, right. And the more I specialize in what I do is, is, is basically marketing product development, uh, social media type stuff and bigger vision picture, the, the better they do, right. The better they take care of all the other stuff, the logistics, of, of 600 truckloads coming in and going out every day of product. Uh, it's mind blowing. So the better they become, the less I have to con uh, concern myself with that or be worried about it. And the better I can become at what I do. And you and I both share a journey of, you know, mattress to mansion. I've done it twice. <laughs> I went back to the mattress and then say, no, no, I like the mansion way better. Uh, but one of the biggest, biggest challenges I face in my playbook to success is I have four children uh, and their ranges are 11 to, to 22. Uh, but I can't teach them what it was like, you know, to be on a mattress, to have a single mom, six kids, pack my dinner in a paper bag in a car so she could work her second job, filling up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards. Uh, I can't teach that, you know, where you uh, are trying to empower your children, but obviously they have great advantage over to where and when you were born. What are some of the things that you do taking into account your perspective of, you know, growing up with nothing? How do you transcend that information to your, to your children? Obviously not the tiny ones, but your kids are getting old enough where you probably are starting to realize I do not want to entitle these children. Yeah, that's the fear I have is that, you know, uh, you and I came from humble beginnings, right? And I grew up on that mattress. And that's what made me who I am. Um, when Monster sues us, when Pepsi sues us, everybody like that, uh, you, you, you're not scared. Because when you're on the air mattress on the ground, you're literally six inches above the ground, you can't go any lower. So nobody can threaten me how low I've already been there. 
Um, but the fear I have is that my children literally grew up in this mansion. Um, we have seven nannies to manage the household, a house manager, all this craziness. I, my buddy was over the other day and he looked at me and he goes, you know, this isn't real. He goes, you know, there, there's something wrong with this. Don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. But what I do, right, is I only let them on the iPad 20 minutes a day. The other thing I do is, and this is not to get ahead of other kids. I'm not the parent that goes, I got to be ahead of all the other kids that keep them off these devices. The people that invented the devices do not let their children use them at all, at all, because they know they're destructive. So I, I let them use it 20 minutes a day. But we have a major trampoline outside uh, uh, playground. They have piano lessons, dance lessons, drum lessons. They have a physical therapist that comes over and trains them in sprints. They play competitive basketball. So they are literally busy every second of the day. <clears throat> because I know when I had time when I was younger, um, I told uh, when a senior in high school, I switched schools from an inner city high paced basketball school to a urban school. And uh, the pace was, let's say, quite a different. And, and we were playing the Seminole Indians. And we were 17 years old. They were in their 40s. And um, the ref didn't show up. So my coach, this is right before the season started, he had a ref. And they were just hacking us to the ground. Like, when we, it's their gym, you know. Uh, people are smoking pot in the gym. It's just crazy. Uh, but they, they wouldn't even try for the ball. So I looked at my coach. And I told him to wake the F up. I was very driven back then, very negative. And he goes, sit down on the bench. And I pointed in his face and I go, you're the ref, not the coach. Well, the next day, even though I was by far the best on the team, I'm coming from an inner city school and this was my life. Uh, he put up a cut list and I was the only one that was cut. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, so you go from that extreme thing and then, I'm trying to convey a much more positive thing to my children where, hey, this is a coach that didn't know what he was doing. Players are running into each other. I want to be there for him and, and coach him in basketball and coach him in life and help him because that was never there when I was younger. Because when I got cut from the team here, I had five hours a day that I was playing basketball in the park from 6 to 11 p.m. at night. And now my, that constructive behavior turned destructive. And I, I don't, you know, I want to make sure my kids have all these options to do these different things. Absolutely. And you have so many great projects beyond, you know, your difficulties with the big guys trying to manipulate and, and overwhelm you. There's some real successes that you have. And there's a reason why, you know, companies like yours get attacked by the big boys because they're afraid of you more than you're afraid of them. What are some of the current projects you have and what are the next steps moving forward for the company? Well, yeah, let me just get to the one point on something you just said. And so a lot of people go, oh my gosh, you're in all these lawsuits, blah, blah, blah. I go, look, be more worried if you're not getting sued because if you're not getting sued, that means you don't matter. I gotta stop you, man. My dad, the first time I got sued, my dad called me, he's like, hey man, I heard you're getting sued. I'm like, oh, you know, sorry for my language, but fuck. And he goes- <laughs> He goes, man, he goes, congratulations. I was like, what? He goes, you're finally successful enough. Somebody gives a shit about you. Right. Because <laughs> if they don't know who you are, if they're not suing you, you're, exactly. not, you're not doing something right. <laughs> it's like that employee that, you know, I hate the word micromanagement. I'm like, if somebody calls me a micromanagement, you should be thanking me for giving you all my goddamn attention and dummy tax because it means I care about you. 
right? I mean, right. who wouldn't want the CEO of a major company caring about you? And here you say like, why me? Why are you, you know, managing me? Because I care about you. You should worry if I'm not talking to you. Right. You're passionate enough to do that. And, and, and I do that a lot. In my company, look, if you don't, as long as you're doing what you're supposed to fine. but if you don't, I don't care what level of the company you're on, you will hear from me because I'm passionate about what I do. And I tell people, I'm going to either drive you up, you're going to come up with us or drive you out, but you're not going to remain static. And uh, I, you know, uh, you're not, I, I, t I say, you're not going to wallow in the stench of sub mediocrity. We're just not going <laughs> to allow it. Exactly. So what, what are some of the next steps moving forward? There's stuff that you're working on. Um, one of the things uh, I have a little thing on the screen here because um Please. We're, uh, I think the really cool thing, one of the things I tell my staff is that we committed um, a few years back to become a world-class media company. And people go, you know, you're an energy drink company. I go, no, we're not. I go, it's, it's part of what we do. I go, but to, to become number one, you got to understand media. And so I believe that, and, 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 so, and this is arguable, but I believe that we are the number one most dominant company on social media in the world. Like if you look on TikTok, if you put in hashtag bang energy right now, we have 16.6 billion views. It's amazing. Uh, we released a new product, Vues, and it already has like 40 million views. So that's more than NBC, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, Fox News, all the CNN, all the major news stations combined. So we've become this number one media company. But I said, what we have to do is remain the number one media company and also become now the number one tech company in the world. And that's what we're focused on right now. We're, we've been working on a project for several years and it, it involves um, being a, a player on the metaverse, uh, building a social media app on blockchain technology so that it's not all this patchwork with current social media things that are, you know, they're old and they keep patching them brand new blockchain technology accepts crypto. We'll have bank coin crypto, all of these different things to make us applicable in the world. And we, we have some of the best people in the world working on this project. But again, I think if you don't do this in the media and you don't do this in tech, you soon become out, uh, irrelevant. Um, your product is only as good as your media and tech, basically. Because the media and tech build the community and as I've learned for the last three decades in business, right, it's about owning the customer, not owning the products or the solutions. And technology is obviously a key both to the performance of the products, but to managing that community as you do so effectively. Now, you're also releasing a book. Uh, what's that about and what motivated you to, to do that? Anthony, can you find the book over there? I'll show it to you in a minute. But um, nice. Uh, we have, I have a book coming out, but I, unfortunately I've been writing it for the past 13 years. And one of the things that rang home with me, my father, like your father was very influential. And, and um, I was in the uh, garage, you know, playing the drums We're playing in, in this band. My dad played seven, seven instruments. You know, our family was raised classical piano. I rebelled. I played the drums, but he looks in, opens the door and we look at him and he goes, what are you guys doing? And I said, we're practicing. And he holds the door open and he looks at us and he goes, when are you going to get out and play? This stuck with me. I, I still rings in my mind. And so with the book, after writing it for 13 years, I go, Jack, when are you going to get out and play? Because the problem with writing a scientific book, we're up to 1,200 scientific references right now. Everything's referenced. I don't say anything off the top of my head. Um, I even, what I did to psych myself out is I printed a, 
real copy of this book yeah. <laughs> and it disappears it's amazing <laughs> um but but this this is this is one of the um uh unedited versions but i have it sitting here and we're in the final edit but the the problem with science is right there's always new science it keeps changing and we have 30 double blind placebo control gold standard university studies on our products products we created and so every time we do one of these studies, it's about to come out. And I'm like, no, we got to include it in the book. But I finally said to myself, no more. You got to get out and play. Like my father said, we're going to release the book. So it's in its final edit right now. I thought I'd dumb down the science. I used to teach science, uh, chemistry and everything, uh, biology, life science um, from a ninth to 12th grade. But, you know, then you give it to a book editor and they go, no one's going to be able to read this. So I did my best to dumb it down, which is good because then the editor can understand it to make it reader friendly to a normal person. Yeah. But again, everything, everything's backed by references because when you're talking about somebody's body and everything like that, you, to me, you have to cite scientific references. You can't just say what you feel like everybody does on, on uh, Instagram and whatnot. Yeah, like on my books, right? Metaphysics is much easier to uh, confirm than it is actual scientific data for your body. So I'll, I'll, I'll stick to the theoretical, spiritual and emotional where nobody can prove me right or wrong. Uh, but it's amazing because I think of you as a great scientist. And I think about, you know, putting your picture up on my Instagram next to Einstein, you know, and it's like, he looks like the, the, the scientist. And here I got, you know, my man with the Mr. T starter set, running a high energy company, superpreneur himself, uh, a guy that I only have heard great things about that is aligned with, you know, that consistent, persistent pursuit of his own potential, not afraid for people not to like him for who he is. But, you know, it's just an am amazing journey that you're on. And I can't wait to read that book, by the way. Uh, I'll do my best to understand it. But uh, you know, I really want to see how the most important part of my life, which is my health, uh, which you have impacted so many people, not just emotionally, but you actually have a great product, like I said, that people are just addicted to. They love it. I have uh, one of the guys in my TV show, Jason Waller from True Underdog Podcast. I've never seen so, so someone drink so many Bang Energies in, in, in one day. Uh, and oh, certainly, <laughs> it certainly works in this case. Uh, but we got to do more, my friend. You're an amazing entrepreneur. Thank you also for giving back and elevating others. It's one thing to make a lot of money. It's another thing to help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. So check out Jack and the company. He is the CEO, CSO, and founder of the incredible company, Bang Energy. I put my money on this entrepreneur any day of the week against the big boys. Thanks for joining me.